it's something that I struggle with and wrangle with. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Most of you know, I'm sure, that I've visited India many times now, six times, and the work of Agape Alive in India. And like Edward and Sarah, I'm very privileged to be one of the trustees of this very small charity. Each visit is different, and this time Chandra had asked if I would take a small group to talk about nutrition. And it was a time of huge blessing, hard work, stepping out and trusting God, both in the big and the small details of the day and the week ahead. And I found throughout the week as I let go and let God time and time again, he'd gone before me, he'd set the path, and he'd made the way for the impossible to become possible. For example, on the very first day that Yvonne and I were going to be doing the nutritional education, a group of very lovely, smiley ladies turned up, all wearing their beautiful colour saris, I'm sure you can imagine them, some with children on their hips and some in burqas, you can only see a little glimpse of their eyes. They were nervous about what to expect from the week, but I can tell you not nearly as nervous or as, as Yvonne and I were. I'm not a fraction of a nervous how I am now. <laughs> so, but that was all made all the worse when our translator didn't turn up. English, Telugu, Urdu and Hindi were being spoken by our little group of ladies. And we had an awful lot to get through. Some of it quite complicated, anatomy and physiology. But without a translator, we're not, we weren't going to get beyond the icebreaker. Chandra was busy with Ruth and Karen translating in the school. And Shaker, while he was on the campus, had offered his support, you know, and he would come and translate for us because he knew that we'd been let down. But he's a man, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but he holds a position of authority in the local community. And I really didn't believe that we were going to get the best from the women if we had a man there sitting with us. I'd spent many weeks praying, planning for this very moment, and it looked like we were going to fall at the very first hurdle. And in that moment, I set up a very quick, sent up a very quick, desperate arrow prayer. God, please help me. I cannot do this without you. It might seem in that moment that I was being very weak, doubting that I'd heard correctly, that I wasn't meant to be there. But actually, it was an act of faith, and I really was calling on God, trusting that he had it all sorted. I just needed to be able to see it right now, impatient as ever. Within 10 minutes or so, not one, but two bright, cheerful, smiling ladies had joined our group, and they spoke all four languages each. They both spoke all four. God didn't just send one person. He knew that I was going to need all the help I could get. He sent two ladies, and this proved to be very true as we broke into smaller groups, discussion groups. Having the two ladies made everything so much easier. It was such provision and blessing. I was totally blown away by God's attention to detail, his love and his care. Philippians 4 verse 20 says in the message version, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need, his generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. Our God and Father abounds in glory that just pours into eternity, yes. And our trip was peppered with moments like this, 
It was inspiring, faith-building, humbling and exciting. And as I'm sure you've heard me say before, when I'm in India, because I'm so far out of my comfort zone, I feel that I'm following in Jesus' footsteps. And in the UK, I include him in my journey. The emphasis is different, and I believe that for me this is very relevant, and maybe for some of us tonight. Times of closeness with God can often be found when we're least expecting them. Maybe when we're out walking the dog, or during times of great difficulty. Back in December 2009, I found myself in a very strange situation, admitted to hospital with swine flu and pneumonia. And as a nurse, the tables had turned. Once they made the diagnosis, I wasn't allowed any visitors. I was in an isolated room. You could only enter by going through another room. And you had to wear all sorts of fancy dress, a mask and a gown and everything else, and be with me for as short a time as possible. And yet the presence of God was very tangible for me during that time, a time when I should have been overwhelmed and frightened. And while I did have moments of fear, the overwhelming sensation and, and feeling was one of complete peace. His peace, the peace that we read about in Philippians 4. It says again in the message, don't fret and worry. Instead of worrying, pray, letting God know your concerns, because you know it. A sense of God's wholeness, everything comes together for good. And it will come and settle down on you. It's wonderful when that happens, when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. And while I found myself very alone in that room, I felt anything but alone. And reading my Bible gave me such a great sense of comfort. And while I don't ever want to go through that again, it was a really special time of my relationship, in my relationship with God. There are other times when I've faced situations when I haven't felt his presence, when I have felt alone and very frightened, when I haven't known what to pray or even where to start in reading my Bible. And that certainly hasn't brought me the comfort that I was seeking in those times and certainly while I was in hospital. The importance of dear friends to pray alongside us during these times is so, I can't stress how important it is and how precious when we don't know how or what or even how to pray, they pray for us. I'm hugely grateful for that Jesus has blessed me with such special friends. And I'm sure many of you have been to conferences like New Wine, listened to an inspiring sermon, been to a great home group where something's really spoken to you, the message that, or the discussion that you've had, and you've come away buzzing, uplifted, and bursting to share the love of Jesus with others. I again came away from India with a renewed passion for Jesus and keen to keep this fire burning bright. And to an extent, it has. But our home group has started a new Bible study using John Altberg's book, God is Closer Than You Think. And in that very first session, we looked at Michelangelo's fresco in the Sistine Chapel, the creation of Adam. I think Alan's got it up on the slide. Something you're probably very familiar with looking at, as was I. I'd like you just to look at it, though, for a moment or two longer. Probably like me, you thought you knew the picture, very familiar with it, but just have a look at it for a minute or two. It's an image I've found very hard to get out of my mind since we as a home group looked at it. 
In the picture, you can see God stretching out to Adam, who is painted in a very leisurely Romanesque position. Look at his hand. If he just reached out or even raised a finger, he could touch God, but his hand is limp and passive. It's God that's doing all the straining to touch Adam. I really struggled to get this image out of my head over the ensuing weeks and have started to pray into it. And I came to the uncomfortable realization that very often I am like Adam. God is there reaching out to me, desiring closeness of relationship. Sure, when I'm just off the plane from India, I'd be stretching, reaching with every ounce of my being to God. So what happens in the space of those few months to change that? Life, really. The busyness of the day-to-day. That's what demands of work, family, home, the list is endless. And without realising it, all too easily, life has taken over. Depending on what day of the week it is, I can, without thinking, fall into the pattern of the day. The minute I step into work, there's numerous demands from all sorts of directions. And ever so slowly, without even realising it, I'm including Jesus in my journey as I make plans, not seeking him first. And I wonder why life is a struggle a lot of the time. So I wanted to look at how I, we, can retain, regain, or maybe, for some, the first time, experience that closeness with God in the day-to-day of our lives. And I'm stood here talking to myself as much to you. Please don't think I've got it sorted far from it. The truth is that I think for all of us, there are times when God feels so close, we feel his presence, and I'm grateful for the closeness and the intimacy of God. Those times are really precious. I once heard someone call those times mountaintop experiences. But life's not like that. I'm not called yet to live in India. And I can't live at the top of a mountain. So if God doesn't change, what does? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Romans 8, verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. I just, I love that verse. It is just such an amazing verse. It literally says it's impossible to be separated from Jesus. Nothing can stop Christ's presence with us. We can trust in his great love and feel totally secure in him, regardless of our circumstances, and maybe more importantly, no matter how we are feeling. So I've had to learn not to base my relationship with Christ on my feelings and emotions, which are rather apt to change, but rather to trust in him in those times and seasons, when it all feels dry, empty, and sometimes alone, because God doesn't change. I often feel quite empty or flat for a few weeks after I get back from India or if I've been to New Wine and I get back, it's all been great there. But when I get back, well, while I was there, it felt easy to trust in God's goodness. But as the week goes on and I slip back into my old routine, promises that I made to myself to pursue God more are long since relegated to the back of my mind. This year, though, something has changed. I can't put out that fire deep within me to share the love of Jesus to anyone and everyone. 
the desire to know him more. There's a bubbling fizz deep inside of me, an excitement. Could it be at last I'm growing up in my faith? Maybe. I hope so. But we all have times when God doesn't feel close. Moments when we begin to doubt our prayers are even being heard, never mind answered. God who created us knows that we will have periods of feeling alone. My Google search told me that for 21 times from Genesis to Galatians, we are told by God, I am with you. This reassurance would not be there if it wasn't needed. It's okay not to be okay or not to feel close to God. We don't have to pretend that everything is sorted. Even Mother Teresa had periods of doubt. And in one of her letters, she wrote, I have this terrible sense of loss, this untold darkness, this loneliness, this continual longing for God, which gives me that pain deep in my heart. Darkness is such that I really do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason. The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. And when the pain of longing is so great, I just long and long for God. And it is then that I feel he does not want me, that he is not there. And sometimes I just hear my own heart cry out, my God, and nothing else comes. The torture and the pain I cannot explain. Wow. What tough, raw, honest words from a lady who served Jesus faithfully. But rather than depressing me, this has encouraged me. I find, it I find that even inspirational people, the encouragement I get, that inspirational people who have poured out their lives for Christ have had times, sometimes extensive periods, when God felt absent, silent. So, when the next dry season comes along, when it feels that God is in another universe, not holding you by the hand, I pray that for you and for me that we claim those words in Romans 8, 38-39, and we know deep in our inner being that while things of life might rock our world and our ability to rest in Christ and maybe to hear from him, know that it is our emotions and situations that have changed, not him, he is ever-present with us in all circumstances. Matthew ends his gospel with Jesus, Jesus' own assurance to his disciples that he is Emmanuel, telling them, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that promises for us too. God that was with us in the good times when it was all going well is still the same God when the times are tough. Praise God. So, as we prepare for communion together, I want us to allow, to allow some time to reflect and prepare our heart. If it helps, look at the fresco, the picture of yourself where Adam is. Are you reaching out to God? Are you hiding? Are you like Adam, very relaxed, half-heartedly reaching to God? But do see how God is straining Picture yourself where Adam is and see how hard God is straining to reach you. And let the words from Isaiah 41:13 give you strength and courage. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. So Jack's, Zach's going to just lead us in some just quiet 
time just as we prepare and come to communion and just use the time just to look at the picture and uh, let God speak to you.